It's Sunday, March 5th, and you're listening to Peanuts of Popcorn. B&B is a movie podcast interrupted by a baseball discussion between two old friends. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week in Peanuts and Popcorn, we'll continue the Best Picture nominee discussions. We'll talk about the Fablemans and everything, everywhere, all at once. We'll also announce our choices for the film that we think should win Best Picture. In Peanuts, we start with a look at how different teams are preparing their pitching staffs to play with the new pitch clock. Chicago White Sox are having issues with local media. How you doing, Tom? I'm partly cloudy this morning. How are you? I, I took Maggie for a walk in the in the hazy morning. In the hazy, it was beautiful. It was really nice. Little tiny sliver of sunlight. Full. She, she must be. She must be coming and, into. She must be coming into her own as a dog. She is. She. I'll tell you something. That is one of the smartest dogs I've ever known. She, Everybody says that about their dogs. I know, but this this dog. I mean, if if I'm ever aware of anything, like if I see a person jogging in the distance or a dog way over there, just something. As soon as I see it, she's already seen it. She's yeah, already right. like locked right. on. Exactly. You know? Well, and, you know, you, you have a great breed, but also the fe- the female is a, a little bit of a different um, animal, and it's and they're extraordinarily protective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she... I, I would feel sorry for someone that tried to walk in your house. That would not, I told you, that would not be a good thing. I'll tell you a little story, actually. I have a friend, you know, a neighbor, Marcus, and he has a little terrier, you know, a tiny little dog. God loves a terrier. God loves a terrier. And so he, <laughs> he you know, terriers are my favorite dog, which is a song by Bruce McCullough about terriers. Yeah. But anyway, so, so he's, but he's walking around with an aluminum baseball bat. And I right. say, Marcus, what's, you know, he's like, well, you know, we've seen coyotes. I've been right. out here in the morning and he's like, I've got the flashlight and I'll flash it across the field and I'll see four or five of them because you can see their red eyes yeah. and they kind of follow me, you know? And I think it's because he has such a little dog. Right. You know what I mean? Cause right. I never, never, ever see a coyote. Well, never. not just that. A coyote is not going to charge you unless it's rabid. I got yeah. news for you. It's, it, and also, a baseball bat is going to do you no good against four or five of them. You will lose. But, um, yeah. but anyways, so what's going on in Chicago politics? Oh, I know. So, so four years ago, yeah, Mayor Lori Life or Lori Lightfoot was elected mayor of Chicago, and I'll warrant because you lived in the city at that time. I, yeah. I'll warrant that you voted for her. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, the, uh, the Chicago's alliteration mayor, Lori yeah. Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did vote for her because it, you know, it, did Chicago, you vote for her twice? What's that? Did you vote for her twice? Did you vote? No, for I her? did not. No, I did not. I voted for her in the general election, but I did not vote for her in the primary because, quite honestly, I didn't think she would. I, I, I just wasn't that familiar with her. But the point is, let's just talk about the simple facts. She she was, a, by the way, a tremendous lawyer, was on an episode yeah, of Forensic Files. She's a very Files. accomplished woman, professionally. Yeah. I, this I, woman I, is is of the highest quality. Correct. You know? Not a, not a retail politician. No. And, and never no. was a retail politician. People just didn't like her. And, 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 I, and I think that was part of it. Forget about the crime. The, everyone states that it was crime that yeah. got her booted. And I'm probably true. That is probably the reason why. The police hated her. No, I mean, they, they absolutely, they absolutely abhorred her. The teachers her. hated her, and, right. and and the city council hated her, and you know everybody hated her. And and what she did was she she would bully everyone, enemies and allies alike. And when you come from like Lightfoot lacked a sort of ethnic political base in yeah. the city that true, was true accustomed to voting for her. You know what I mean? She she didn't have a congressional district or a Senate right. district or a county district where where voters in that area liked her and would continue to vote for her at a higher office. She yeah. lacked that. So when she she started alienating everyone, you know, she she lost. And, yeah. and that's the reality of of governing in this city. And this is a job that I would say, and I was talking to my father about this, and he said, this, it, it is the worst job in the country. <laughs> well, and I, I think, the, I think the daily family, 
would 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 uh, would dispute that. Um, but I will tell you that I think at its core, this was a likability issue, and she just didn't have it. I don't think like she seems like a perfectly reasonable person that you pro like. You said you probably want her as your attorney because she's kind yeah. of a bulldog. Absolutely. But I think the the fact is, being a mayor of a you know the third biggest city in the United States, at some level, people have to like you. I, I, you know, yeah. I think if you look back at Daly, one of the reasons why he, he was mayor for so long, it was besides the cronyism, was the fact that he did have a likability. His father certainly had a likability. He was kind of oh. he was kind of like a regular blue collar guy. If you um, if you talk to the press about that, like Neil, Stein, I know, I know, he he wasn't perfect, but I'm just saying that these folks, and and, and you know, you kind of put in the show sheet that this. That he that uh, Lightfoot is is really the only the second mayor to be bounced out of office. First of all, we've had all Democratic rules since 1937. Number yeah. number one, number two, Eugene Sawyer. He kind of got bounced out of office, even though he was not elected. He assumed no the final part of of yeah. the great. Uh, Harold Washington, still the best mayor I ever had when I lived in Chicago, was Harold. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, because yeah. But politics is local. And, yeah. and my garbage was picked up. The streets, it's just, it was how it impacted me in my neighborhood. And no one did a better job than Harold for me. Um, and uh, and yeah. I despised Rom after a while. I oh, thought yeah, for the Rahm same and... reason. Rom was an unlikable guy too. But but I think he was a better mayor than, than Lightfoot. I, you know. I, let, let me tell you something about Rahm Emanuel, okay? Now, if you think that crime in the city is an issue, and it is, it is an issue. It, it is. It, it, it's well, a what happened in that summer of 2020 or whatever they went, they went wilding down on Michigan Avenue? You lost me. Lightfoot, yeah. you lost me. Well, okay. Who was mayor for eight years ago? And it was Rahm Emanuel. Yes, yes. And what did Rahm Emanuel do? He systematically dismantled the infrastructure of the Chicago public schools. He closed 15, 20 yeah, schools, yeah, maybe right, more. Right. You know what I mean? He, he, he took that infrastructure. He dismantled like CPS used to have uh, an administrative branch that would run all of the sports leagues around the city, you yeah. know, for every league. So like middle school, you know, uh, flag football, there were leagues, you know what I mean? And, and conferences that all had to sort of be, you know, negotiated and they'd have a citywide tournament. He took, he got rid of all of that. Right. All of that was gone. All the people who had organized that at the citywide level. Okay. So, so now what you have is a sort of disinvestment, an intentional disinvestment in that part of the city. And what's happened is these children have grown up lacking that part of the infrastructure to access and develop and grow. And now you see the results of that. What they've done is turned to crime because right. they lacked the thing that they needed to help them grow. Yeah, so, you know, that's, a, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And, 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 and I'll tell you this, that if you want to save the city, you better invest in the public schools. No question. No question. And and as a hiring manager over the years, and I would see resumes from kids that w went through the Chicago public school system, I was astounded by how poorly written they were. Astounded. As if I could make a general statement, and it didn't matter what color or race you were, everybody lacked, to me, basic education, or certainly what I was accustomed when I grew up in Detroit, which wasn't any better of a town, believe you me. I think at this core issue, though, is that that she could not shake the the crime thing, just like Michael Blandick, uh, who was a yeah. perfectly normal guy as mayor of Chicago in the late 70s, was befallen by this tremendous snowstorm. And the perception was that Chicago couldn't clean up the snow and certainly yeah. not in a timely manner. It cost him his job. And, his and, job. and I think Lightfoot suffers from that suffered from that same kind of issue and but crime much a much bigger problem but i think you've identified one of the core reasons of why it keeps growing is that it's it's the freaking wild west out there and, it and it's it's and and you've got to evolve like every other part of the united states and i and and so i don't it appears that mr vallis is going to win win the mayor uh job he may not i don't know but he's gonna have a he's gonna I have predict. a tough job I predict the teachers union candidate will win the job. That's what I believe.
I believe finally the the Chicago. What you're going to see, Tom, is is basically what we've had in places like Argentina, you know, and, and other Latin American countries where uh, a union, okay, is going to take control of the government completely. I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. And and again, you have Rom to blame for this because Rom was so adamant that that Karen Lewis was going to run against him yeah. to finally demand that the schools get the kind of support that they deserve. Right. Okay. But she got sick with brain cancer. Right. And so when, when they endorse Preckwinkle, you know, Preckwinkle is now the union candidate, yeah. but Lightfoot defeats her. You know what I mean? And yeah. and so what happens there is now it seemed to me on certain levels that the union, and I was a teacher's union member, the union punished her, I think, for defeating their candidate. They were combative in a putative way, I felt, that, yeah. that they could have been a little more reasonable in dealing with the mayor and some of the politics that that, that shook out with that. So I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward. Um, but, um, you know, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. And you're going to see, I, I just will say that it'll be the first time in a long time where a union takes control of city politics so completely. And right. we'll see what the results are. You know, they'll, right. they'll be on the clock. Now, well, what about the, you wanted to mention the Murtaugh trial. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in December, I had the benefit of basically watching all the World Cup games. I was I was over yeah. the moon about being, for the first time in my life, being, I know what retirement's going to look like for me. And so in January, this, um, this trial starts in South Carolina uh, for Alec Murdoch, who was uh, accused right. and ultimate, ultimately found... Right. Comes from a Skyan family in South Carolina. They basically ran the, this low country um, area of South Carolina um, for for decades, going back to the uh, early part of the last century. Um, but that's not the reason why I brought this up. The reason why I brought this up is because for some reason I'm fascinated by true crime. I, I don't know what it is. It, uh, uh, alone. What's I know, and then it's a growing thing, but I was into it long before it was popular. First of all, I was into it so bad, big that at one point in one of my apartments, I had to throw out all my true life crime books because I was worried if the police ever came into my apartment that they would say, What the hell is What's your with all the no, now, no, and, no, and, no, and no. I'm telling you, there was probably a hundred of them. There was a, a massive amount of books, right? And and then I realized, well, why did you don't throw away the books? What are you like, Ron DeSantis now? I mean, that that's, that's the right. that's the dumbest thing in the world. But it there's a like a little bit of a tie-in. Speaking of true crime, so Sirhan Sirhan uh came up for parole this week. And and for I think the seventeenth time, still alive. Wow. Yeah, he's still alive. He 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 killed Bobby Kennedy in nineteen sixty eight when he was a twenty year old guy. Um, but and at this point, uh, Gavin Newsom is the one that's blocking it. He was actually recommended for uh, parole in uh, two or three years ago or whatever. And and I think that I hate, I I just want to say this. My point here is I think if Bobby Kennedy was alive. And he was a lawyer that he could successfully say this guy has done enough prison time for this crime. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, the reason yeah. why you're in prison is because you killed Bobby Kennedy. If you killed Leo Fontana or Tommy Hockney, you wouldn't you would not no longer be in prison. That's yeah. my point. Right. 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 Or you would have been executed. One of the two. But it used to it, it just seems to me that there's kind of a double standard there in, in the criminal justice system. Uh, not that I'm advocating it because Ethel Kennedy does not want him out of prison. But yet half of her kids do, and, yeah. and, including one of them who actually said, I'll do a fundraiser for it to get him out. So it's just I thought that was an interesting story. Forget about Murdoch. He's, he did, in my opinion, after watching this trial, he killed him. He completely and did it, yeah. He did, and, and he's going to prison. I hope he goes to pound me in the ass prison, too, because that's what he deserves. Uh, but the point is, I think I have an unhealthy fixation with true crime. Well, maybe. But but again, you, you would not be the only one. My wife <laughs> loves law and order, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I have a fascination. I'll tell you. I just ordered an audio book, not an audio book, but a real book because I'm taking a trip to Miami. And uh, it's it's the Michael Connolly, the latest one yeah. that he wrote. I love that shit. 
Yeah. You know, so we're all guilty of it. Now, you're looking for a house still? Or are you looking for a house in art? You're not moving to Glenview, are you? No, 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 no. Glenview is a perfectly nice neighborhood that I, if I was going to be hey. moving there, I would have moved there 25 years ago, not today. We just can't have these white ethnics coming in here. Yeah. Right. I would be so right. Anyway. Right, exactly. So, uh, well, but, uh, uh, no, so no, we're looking in lower Michigan and, and we've just kind of begun in earnest. We're back in Michigan now for a couple of weeks. We'll go back to um, Illinois in a couple more weeks for, for the last, maybe the last time for a couple, couple outside of vacation. Um, so um, yeah, we're looking in lower Michigan. Um, and, like where and, lower Michigan, like towards more towards Ohio or more towards. No, no. Like North of Detroit, the suburbs of Detroit. I see. I um, see. Is where we have, there's a support system there, but if there's a, a, a reason I'll get into it more as we get closer to finding the house, but that's, this will happen in the next two or three months. So yeah. Well, house hunters is my favorite TV show. Is, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I love that show. That is a great TV show. I, I, I watch how my favorite is House Hunters International because you just wonder where the hell do they find these people? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, the, the, the their occupations and their sort of personalities are just to, and situations, you know, are just unbelievably weird. You know, it's well, really I used to like trading spaces, but that's only because there were some hot chicks on there. But, there were some hot chicks on Trading Spaces, and that was a good reason to watch that. <laughs> Movies are dreams. That you never forget. Sammy? change how everything looks it's hard to find our house ours is the dark house with no lights in this family it's the scientists versus the artists sammy's on my team takes after me you stop making movies it'll break your mother's heart I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? Got to open up our first bag of popcorn. We got a double feature this week, and as we will every week. And we want to begin with uh, another film that was nominated for Best Picture this year in 2023. And we want to mention, too, that the Oscars will be next Sunday night. So this is our last show before we learn who the best picture winner is. But I want to start with The Fablemans. The Fablemans is a sort of semi-biographic story about uh, a young boy, Sam, Sammy, who is born in New Jersey and his family lives in New Jersey. His father is an engineer and, uh, you know, an engineer in that he designs things, not works on trains. But uh, but basically, he he develops a sort of love or an interest in making movies. He sees a movie at a very young age, and then he learns how to make them and becomes fascinated with them. And he teaches himself how to how to edit and to make little pinholes in the in the films. So it looks like gunshots and things like that. But then there's his love of films and then there's his family life with his mother and his father. And his mother has a kind of love for this man, Uncle Benny, who's not really the brother of the father. And, and so there's this tension as we sort of, the, the, the mother has to figure out which man she loves and who she really wants to be with in order to be happy herself. So there's all these kind of psychological issues at work here. But, but basically it's why it's a love letter to Steven Spielberg's childhood. Uh, about how he came to love movies and who were the people that he loved and who he met and the things that happened to him that inspired him and were chances for him to make movies to distinguish himself. And, and I got to say, I was not looking forward to seeing this movie before I went into it because I knew that it would be this kind of movie. And I, I felt that I shouldn't care, you yeah. know, about a director's portrayal 
of his of his childhood. But but I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. You know, Spielberg is a great director and, and he's been doing this for a long time and he can craft a scene and, and make you look at it with camera angles and entrances and exits and things passing and you pass and the camera spins and you're all, you know, it, it, he's really amazing how he does that. And he's good at getting good performers who deliver the work in a, in a great way. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's the best picture, but I'd say that it's right behind, you know, it, it's in the upper half. Well, we'll talk chat. about that. We'll talk about that in a little while. So hold your thoughts on how it fits into the 10. Well, 10 what did you think? What did you think? Um, I didn't like it nearly as much as you. Um, uh, I, I think that this is a three-star film. This is a film that yeah. is like a Tuesday movie of the week. I mean, I, I think that no, there, no. I, I think that Paul Dano, who's very underappreciated, who plays yeah. the father, Bert, I think the film is like Bert. It's unexciting. And it's also kind of a, a beyond navel-gazing experiment for Steven Spielberg that only a billionaire filmmaker would have been ever able to bankroll and put out a movie like this. And, I'm, I, and, and again, I, it, there was parts that were interesting. To me, the, the, the connection to John Ford and our beloved The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which there's a connection in this film. Yeah. I love that part. I yeah. love the homage to film. I love the fact that the greatest show on earth which was the movie that he went and went and saw as a boy that turned him on to films is arguably one of the worst best pictures that ever existed on the planet. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, someday we'll have to watch it. It's not going to be anytime soon because again, it's the worst best picture. So the, the irony of how he created that little train crash as a yeah. kid and, and how that spurred him to become one of the greatest directors that ever lived. He's got a handful of the greatest films this is not one of them. Michelle Williams. No. Well, I'm just that's my opinion. Michelle Williams is Oscar worthy. She was the best part of the entire film, I thought. Um, and, and and I don't think she's going to win Best Actress, but she's damn good uh, in in the film. Um, I just I just think it's a three star movie, and I'm with you. It has no business being nominated for Best Picture. It, it's this is where his reputa reputation is exceeding him, and, and people are buying the and are buy, you know I saw a movie a couple of days ago called Babylon, and that's a flawed film, but that's better than this film. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's yeah, there, was, no. uh, there was I feel the same way, and we'll talk about this in a little while about some other films. I, I'm not going to. We'll, I'll wait till we discuss that have no business being nominated for best picture, and there's about three of them this year. Well, I, I think that there's he makes this movie. This movie is made because he's he's a great director and he has the resources and he can make this movie if he wants to you know yeah. what i mean he's made so try, try, try to tell that to some struggling talented filmmaker but, like spielberg was when they're 20 years old going my film is better than that film that's well, the problem that's the problem well you you make a really good point because i'm going to compare this movie to two other movies the other one the first one is belfast okay yeah. which is by kenneth braun and again it's yes. it's being made by an accomplished director who has the right. resources and the will to, to make the movie. Right. And the other one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, you, of those three, before you speak, yes, tell me which one is the better film out of those three. It's very close, but I, I for me, um, it's going to be Once Upon a Time followed slightly by Belfast. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is by far, in my opinion, by far the better picture because it's, it's not it's about close. what it isn't is it isn't biographical okay no. you get all of the impressions and the things the the links so you, you don't mean biographical you don't mean biographical you mean autobiographical autobiographical exactly yeah. it's not autobiographical Correct. you're absolutely right Correct. you're absolutely right it's not it lacks but in that in that in that regard once upon a time shouldn't be included in that but yeah, Bel no, Belfast should, because they're absolutely the same movie they're well, love no, 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 no. what's semi what's semi autobiographical about it nothing zero that, but that's but that's why it's the better movie. It's the movie that it's the same movie that each director wanted to make the love letter to the period. Of oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Taught uh, them okay, to okay. love movies. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, I've noticed, I've noticed one thing about you. You don't like Irish films. 
and 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 you and you've slighted them. Irish uh, films, yeah, if, if, Irish films. You have problems with, and, and we'll talk about uh, the Banshees of, in Sharon, okay. which you basically right. made right. a comment about that. So uh, I did, the, I did, I did. We have well, our own biases. I didn't care for this film. It's just that simple. I mean, it's a three star movie. It's not a bomb, but it's just, eh. I'll never watch it again. It was, you know what it was? It was too long. And I also had a problem with that scene with the with the guy, the 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 Greek god from his high school. You know, the guy yeah. that that sort of where he puts him on the screen and he right. looks like the great hero, and right. and the guy freaks out about it. You know what right. I mean? And that seems like a scene that that's how he wished it would have gone. You know what I mean? How if he could have engineered that moment in his life? Yeah, really would have come. You're out. right. You're right. You know and, and to me, the early success of Spielberg was his use of irony. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's it, it, there were good things about the movie, you know, good performances. There were well-crafted scenes, great images, but but I can't endorse it for best picture. I, so, I, there, it, I, I can't even it's not even in the discussion and we'll talk about that in a second. It's in the upper five of the 10 and it's in the upper half of Spielberg's work. That's yeah, what I see. I, yeah, I can't it's agree above with the that. 50% mark in both. I, I, the only thing I can say is it's a movie that he made. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. This I could be. I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Don't let anything distract you from it. So we'll open up the second bag of popcorn, and that is the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And uh, this is a very, very difficult movie to describe. We'll give it our best shot. Um, but basically, it traces the story of a middle-aged woman, Evelyn, Chinese immigrant living in California. She's married to Waymond, Raymond. Who, uh, and they have a daughter named Joy and they run a laundromat and they have, I guess, the same sort of problems and live the sort of life that you would expect that Chinese immigrants would live in the United States. Their lives are pretty ordinary. They have tax problems. They have to go see the Internal Revenue Service about all their business expenses. They run this laundromat. Uh, they have a, a, a nonagenarian father you know, who has to come and live with them and she has to take care of them. And everything seems to hinge on, on the efforts of this poor woman who is obviously just overwhelmed as she's just trying to rush around and keep it all from falling apart. But then we learn that this is really just a pretext for the fact that this woman is at the center of a vast multiverse, which is a multitude of universes where this same woman is living completely different existences based on the decisions that she's made in this primary life. So everything that she did, whether she decided to get married or not get married or stay in Hong Kong or continue to study, you know, Chinese opera and things like that and, and, and live the sort of lives. And then what 
what what Evelyn can then learn to do is that she can access each of those women and each of the proficiencies that they gained in those different universes. And that in turn will help her defeat a, a sort of evil that intends to destroy the multiverse. Joe, Joe, what is it? Joe, Jobuku, Jobuku yes. will destroy the multiverses. And it's basically a vast vortex in the shape of a black circle that looks like a bagel with cream cheese on it. And everything bagel. Everything bagel, exactly. And everything bagel. And I got to tell you, this movie was one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I really hope this movie wins Best Picture. Um, there were two men responsible with it for its production. And those are the directors, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Yep. And this is a tremendous combination of just disciplines and types and styles of movie making. It involves martial arts. It involves music. It involves music that comes from Asia and ballet and opera and food and, and sex and just weird stuff. It's almost like, I don't know, uh, it, it is a, a movie of, of Asian descent that sort of is like the Douglas Adams, the Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. to the Galaxy. Because yeah. so many things happen so randomly, you know, and you're here and you're there and you're doing this and you're doing that. And and I want to say that the the best best actor, female, needs to go to Michelle Yeoh for this. Yeah. Because up till now, I'd thought the woman who played Tar. Yeah, um, Kate Blanchett. I thought she should win it. but It's I'm between sorry. those two. I it think. is between those two. And Michelle Yeoh, there, I, I thought that there was no one in the world who could play Tar. There is no one in the world who could have played Evelyn. It is amazing what she does. What about the gal that played Precious? No, I'm just kidding. I kid. <laughs> this, she, she was amazing. I hope she wins. If she wins, I think it's vindication for the movie. I think this movie should win Best Film, and I think it very well could win Best Film for a variety of reasons, which we'll discuss in a moment. I want to know what you thought. So first of all, I want to do something that I don't think I've ever done on the in the history of this show. That was like the perfect intro to a film that was extremely difficult to describe. Yeah. If someone came up to you and said, I need an elevator pitch on everything everywhere, um, it would be difficult to, st to stop the yeah. stammering about what's going on. And you hit it right on the head. This is a multi. There's there's like four or five different plots going on at the same time. Yeah. It, 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 and you can call it multiverse, call it whatever you want. I call it extremely good writing myself yeah. uh, and very complex. But let me just start my review by saying I've seen, as you know, a lot of movies. I've wasted a lot of time in my life in the movie theater. I have never seen a film like this before. Never. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I it's it is it exists in its own universe by itself. There's nothing uh, uh, even closely like it. Um, I think that it's um, it, I, it could very well be the best picture. It could be the coda yeah. going into the Oscars because it just swept the the sags. So. I think it's very well positioned, not just to win Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, who I do think is the best actress. And I think that Kate Blanchett is the second best actress, just like I think Michelle Williams is the third best actress. If you had to, like, put them in order, which you shouldn't have to do, they're all great. But Michelle Yeoh, just to me, is a head and shoulders above. The ubiquitous James Huang, who plays her father, yeah. who's been in over 650 movies. He has been in more films than any other actor in the last 50 or 60 years. You have yeah. to go back to the early days when they were turning out seven films a week to have an actor that was in more films than this guy. And he, you know, he's 93 years old. He does a great job in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a line that the mother says to the Chinatown. Yeah. It just it, it, it this family has big IRS problems, and you know uh, the mother ha and, and the the father they have to put on this big production when they go down to the IRS and they meet with their IRS um, agent, yeah, played expected. by the the role of her career, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, who could very <laughs> well win Best Supporting Actress, even though I think the the gal that plays 
the daughter could win Best Supporting Actress. She was great. Um, but I'm going to give it to Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think Hollywood is too, by the way, because yeah, yeah, they're very yeah. big on these kind of things, and it's yeah. the right moment uh, for her. This is the greatest use of CGI that I've yeah. ever seen in film history. You know us, me and you, we both don't like we, it. We abhor, we loathe it, but this was a very good use of this uh, yeah. technology. I'll never look at an everything bagel again, ever yeah. again in my life uh, the same way. Um, I do have to say, it, one bitch I have about films today, and it's driving me crazy, is the lengths of some of these films. It's just yeah. outrageous. Um, this film was two hours and 20 minutes long. It was 20 minutes too long. It could have been two hours and they could have wrapped it up. That being said, this is a, this is a film masterpiece. I think it is probably going to be the best picture. It's the best picture for me. It may not win it though. Cause it I, you know, when, you, when you have 10 horses in a race, you yeah. know, it, it, but for me, I would vote for this picture and this is a film for the ages. Yeah, I would vote for it too. And I think that the only other movie that I think could win or should win, and, and I think you could make an argument for it to win, is Top Gun Maverick. You know, just just for nothing else, the difficulty uh, filming that, you know, filming those scenes in those jet aircraft and making that all sort of work out. Yeah, well, that's an achievement unto itself. Let, let me just say that I've I've seen the 10 best picture nominees and that's 10th on my list. It would be really? the least it would get the least amount of votes from me. That's just my own personal opinion. That movie was just it just seemed like it was an ad for the Air Force. Well, See, well produced. Agree. Of course it was. Right. It's exactly but right, but right. Um, but that does not again. No. Yeah. That movie brought people back into Jane, you ignorant slut. It brought people because of the jet airplanes and feeling yeah. like you're taken off from the aircraft carrier. That's what makes that movie great. It's and a two and a half, two and a half star movie. It, it the story is awful and yeah. predictable. Right. Well, and we're talking about why, best pictures where that plays a role in it. Just yeah, like, but but the achievement of making the movie. Did, did you see Avatar? Did you see Avatar? I did not. Okay. I did not. I would if you and I said I always say. That if you're going to make me sit through Avatar, I'm going to start doing what what the guy did in Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, I'm going to start right. Cutting my fingers right. off. No, I'm I going can't... to start assigning movies like Showa, which is nine <laughs> oh, hours God, long. Come on, come on. Alexander Berlander Pats, which is like eight and a half hours long no, by Fastbinder. No, you got to be kind. You got to. <laughs> you got to be on. cruel to be kind. But anyways, uh, so let's talk about uh, in our remaining moments here and and cinema. Let's talk about what's going to happen at the Oscars next Sunday. Um, and, and so we don't have much time, so we're going to just cover off on the best picture nominees. We kind of just have been talking about it. Who do you think's going to? Who do you think should win? Who do you think will win? Well, I absolutely think uh, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once uh, should win. I, I that's the movie I would like to see win. That's the movie I would vote for. That's the movie that, in my estimation, was the best picture. I think that you're going to see a split, though between Top Gun, Maverick, because a lot of the members of the Academy appreciate yeah. what Cruz did in making that movie because it brought people back into the theaters. And there yeah. has to be a recognition, I think, for that. Yeah, there's and, other and, there's other ways. It's called money. There's other things you can do, but not best picture. But well, but 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 I think he'll it'll draw enough votes that a film like Banshees of Inishirin could win. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know how the votes would break down, but I, I don't think Top Gun would be in the discussion because I think really the films that you're talking about um, and, and also think of it as a horse race is how some of these films have been doing lately um, in, in the court of uh, public opinion, but also box office wise. And so to me, there is information on that, though, yeah, th there's some haves and have nots. So okay. you have five films that to me have no chance of winning Best Picture. That's Women Talking, Triangle of Sadness, Elvis, which again, another biopic, don't know why it's yeah. nominated. Uh, did you see it? No. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, and then Avatar, which to me is the second worst, and then Top Gun, those five films. Now, when you talk about the Fablemans, Everywhere, Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, The Banshees of Inisherin, and All Quiet on the Western Front, which yeah. let me tell you, 
is the greatest adaptation of that story ever put to film. Have you seen it? I did. I thought it was, I thought that movie was phenomenal. I thought it was really good, but. But but those to me, to me, those are the best pictures of this year of, of the best five. And I agree with you. Everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win, but Banshees could win. Could win. Yeah. Could, I, I think I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. But I, I don't see Tar winning. I don't think All Quiet has any chance. And if the Fablemans win, I'll be shocked. That will be an absolute shock. But it will show you the power of, of Spielberg. Of Spielberg. Yeah, I don't think the Fablemans wins anything outside of a technical achievement or something like that. Yeah. Best, Best explosion know, of a toy train. or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know. All right. So, so let's, uh, and so we've come to the point in the program where Tom and I select the movies that we want each other to see next week. And I'm sure we'll have a healthy discussion on who won best picture in the events of the Oscars. Right. It'll be this coming Saturday or is this Sunday night, but um, not, but uh, I chose a movie that goes back to when you and I first met one another and some of the discussions that we used to have and some of the things that I recall you noticing and talking about and, and all of us sort of laughing about. And that movie is the King of comedy. Oh, that's a great, great yeah. pick buddy. I, I have to, you know, also say that um, you've surprised me. You've assigned movies that have pissed me off because I'm like, yeah. I don't want to watch this stink burger on ice from my favorite year where the guy goes, Casey pull, Push, you know, and it's like I want to take my shotgun and shoot that yeah. thing right out of the sky. Uh, stink burger on ice, a couple of these films, but this is not one of them. This no. is a great selection, but also in general, you've positively surprised me. You've picked some films that, quite honestly, I would have never gone and seen uh, yeah. otherwise, and I'm glad that I did. This is a movie I have seen a few times, but not in many years. This is a great film. And so well, while, you, while, while we're polishing each other's trophies, yeah. let me just uh, go in and say that you have done the same for me, Tom, but you've done it in a way that you you've tapped in to movies that I that are from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s that I had never seen. You know, movies that I wish I had seen a long time ago. You know, the, the searchers for me was was uh, that movie, Tom, blew me away. Right. That I, I I never felt, and then to see it again in the Fablemans, you know, yeah. the poster on the wall, Ford's office, that was just really cool. So anyway, so all right. the film that that we're going back to 2016. This was a Best Picture nominee, and it's a movie called Lion. Lion, L L I O N. Correct. This is with um. Research it on your time. All right. <laughs> Oh, you're a cool, you're a cool man. Yeah, that that will right. stay in the show, by the way. Now the time has come. Time is no place to run. Time, I get burned up by the sun. Time, but I have my fun. So let's get to uh, peanuts. And I want to begin with some issues that the Chicago White Sox are having with local media, yeah. where Tim Anderson sort of bristled uh, with uh, with the media in Arizona about, you know, about Chuck Garfwine's criticism of the team last season when they weren't playing well, especially things that he said, uh, you know, coming down to the last game of the season when the White Sox obviously weren't going to make the playoffs after they were expected to. And he was critical. And Anderson, in turn, was critical of Garfine. 
and he was critical of the overall, you know, at, at, at Chicago Sports, dot, whatever, dot, NBC Chicago Sports. Their the score, thing was, I think it's the score, actually. Or it, 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 well, it, it's NBC Chicago Sports as it relates to Anderson, because Guillen has been very critical there. But then the score did an interview with the girlfriend of Mike Clevenger and the mother of his 10-year-old, 10-month-old daughter and some of the abuse that she's had to undergo and some of the things that he's under investigation from. And they, I listened to the whole thing. They justified it by saying, look, Clevenger was able to get up in front of reporters with a microphone and give his side of the story. I have absolutely no problem giving this woman the chance to do hers. And they put it on and they aired it warts and all. And the White Sox, I think Clevenger certainly was furious. Yeah. You know, and we'll we'll have to wait and see how the White Sox sort of react. But I think that it it is indicative of an organization that has a lot of work to do to rehabilitate their relationship with the fans. When you bring in a guy like Clevenger and you let a guy like Jose Abreu go, you know, and, and I think that speaks to some larger problems that the White Sox have. Well, the the interesting thing to me here is that this all this this uh, break in the marriage between the media and the Sox in Chicago goes back to the hiring of Tony Larusa. When Tony Larusa was hired, it was almost if the media not just not only began to second guess but kind of question the leadership of the Sox and their and you know um, and rightly so and, they absolutely should do it and ever since then. And it didn't help matters that the Sox were set up to succeed and have failed miserably the last two or three seasons. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is for a variety of reasons. Their defense, injuries, whatever you want to call it. They just haven't gotten the job done. They're the best. When we talk about the Sox, the Tigers, and the Cubs, they're the best team of those three teams. What yeah. the hell? They, yeah. they, I mean, it's And so the media has every right to – criticize the Tony the Tony LaRusa thing is just is was mind-boggling we we said it everybody said it I can't remember anybody that went oh that was a good hire I don't think anybody said that no one said it and, and so um the fact that the that the Clevenger uh first of all what this is the guy you had to go get I mean didn't I you do don't you don't you know, have we learned nothing from George Santos when it comes to doing due diligence on a person's background? I mean, seriously, you didn't. They were eighty-one and eighty-one. What were the What were the Cubs? The Cubs won in the seventies, didn't it, they? It, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. They should have won ninety games. The Sox just did not get the job done. No, and so um, a lot of pressure will be on them this year. But one of the reasons will be they didn't really do anything to improve their team. They made got Andrew very, Benatendi. Yeah. Whoop te do. Jeez, what the hell? I you know. know, seriously. Who they cares? should catch the ball better. They should yeah, catch okay, the ball. Okay. All right. Okay. And they have a good starting rotation. I mean, yes, yes. You can't you can't get too high or too low. And and the hope is with some new leadership and some new left-handed bats in the lineup like Oscar Colas, yeah. you know, who you know, that's the thing. I mean. He's obviously a better right fielder than Vaughn or certainly Jimenez. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's a left-handed hitter. Now, will he hit enough to to stay in that lineup? And that's that's the that's the key. And if he hits, then they're a better team. You know, now second base again, who's gonna play there? Um, you know, Vaughn should be okay at first. Defensively, they should be better. And if they are, they should be a better team, but you know. I don't know. They lack leadership. That's certainly true. Well, pro proven leadership at this point. So yeah, uh, we, don't, yeah. we, we don't have much time left on today's show. So I, I just wanted to, have you been paying attention to spring training and the impact of these new rule changes on the game? Okay, good. What, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I, I just think, you know, it's great for the game. You're seeing a brisker pace. You're seeing games finish. In, in you know, on an average in, in less time, which I think Correct. is good. It, no, um, the games are down 32 minutes. Yeah. That, last that, year's spring training games. And, and that, that should be good. We're, we're going to see what sort of the long-term impact is, but I am encouraged by what I've seen so far. 
you know, there are going to be some hiccups and there will certainly be some hiccups, but I think it's a small price to pay for what I think will be a better product. And, and what I also am sort of intrigued by is how different teams are, are sort of working to game the system right. and the things that teams are doing to try to get their pitching staffs uh, accustomed to pitching with a pitch clock. And I think that that's been sort of exciting. You know, yeah. uh, Tommy Hadovy has been right on it with the Cubs. And yep, uh, yep. some guys are bringing in, they brought in, they, one guy, he said, I, I never bought so many stopwatches in my life. Right, right. And, and so he had guys doing it right out of batting practice. And he looked through all of his pitchers to figure out which were the ones who were going to struggle with this the most, who took the most time, whose deliveries would be most in violation. So, so that... I think is, is, is I'm glad a lot of uh, attention to, to these details are being paid. And what I also like is that different teams will try different things. Yeah. So there'll be a, a kind of, it'll be the wild west for a little while as different Correct. teams have different ways Correct. sort of trying to game this. So yeah. that'll be sort of delicious as we Correct. sort of learn these things as we go along. I'm, I'm most excited though about the larger bases. Okay. And the yeah. fewer pickoff throws to first base. And we're going to see like 60, 70 stolen bases to lead the league, which I think would be huge. That would yeah. be cool. That would be yeah. the best. Thing I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm for all of these changes, but I've, I've been watching a few games. I've Over the last couple of weeks, I've watched a, a, a few games. And I got to tell you, I love the brisk pace. I love yeah. it. It, yeah. it reminds me of when I was a kid, the, the day games that would just you'd be like, oh, you just – and, and and so once they put the DH in place to, to combat the fact that the pitchers had an advantage, I just think that now these rule changes makes more for an even uh, playing field. Did you know that since the shift has been outlawed, yeah. Juan Soto is batting 800? No, he isn't. He is <laughs> yes, he, he is batting 800. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so <laughs> you know what? You know who you need to get for your fantasy team? And I was thinking about this, and that dovetails into this is Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber's yeah. gonna have a monster. Well, right, right. It, it, it actually impacts Rizzo too, believe it or not. Any and not as much, but right. Schwarber will be huge. Right, right. I right. think Schwarber will be and Harper, all those guys, the Phillies could be great. Until until next time. We are the two peas in a podcast. Lately, I've been thinking how much I miss my lady, now marinas in a coffee, riding in the Yeah.